0: Hey, friends, just wanted to say a few things before we get started with this week's episode. I just need to address the fact that it's heavy right now, that it's been a hard couple weeks here at home in the U.S. It's been hard online. It's been hard conversations in real life with friends. It's been hard. um, You know, we're kind of coming off this COVID wave. And I think with the death of George Floyd, it's caused a lot of conversations, a lot of tough things to process, and um, it's heavy. And I just kind of want to say that up front and address that before we get into this episode. When I started this podcast, um, well, that's a whole nother story. When God started this podcast, it came out of sharing what God was teaching me, Nothing that I share, at least up until this point on the There's More podcast, has been topical, has been, um, oh, let me think about topics that we'd want to talk about and then, you know, talk to God about it, read the Bible, and then address it. It has all been a complete outpouring of the pages of my own journal. Like, things that God is teaching me, I then say out loud. So... When it comes to issues around race, when it comes to addressing the conversations that the death of George Floyd have stirred up in our country, I think to come on and have that conversation right now would be premature because God is still processing it and working it in me. And that's been my tone and my heart for this podcast is the the overflow of the more that God is revealing to me, um, and He's doing He's doing a lot of work. I just to share a quick part. Um, God actually has been teaching me about idolatry, which is a weird old word. I ran into it as I was reading First Corinthians, and then uh, went down this rabbit hole on idolatry. And I was learning it and studying it and being crazy convicted slash encouraged about this in my own life, about putting other things before God. Uh, And right as I was learning that is when George Floyd was killed. And I um, had a few heavy days with God of mourning, of crying, just about um, this whole issue around race and just the heaviness of it and the reality of it. And um, then I get back and I'm still reading about idolatry and I then am reading an article about idolatry, and it, t- it mentions the book of Amos. And it said, the book of Amos is an example of idolatry when people care more about themselves than they do the needs of the poor or the needs of the hurting or the needs of the oppressed. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that's in a whole book of the Bible? And that's idolatry? God, what you're already teaching me about? And in the book of Amos, it's essentially described that way because he's saying if you have God first, like you, you do not have idolatry in your life, God is number one in your priorities, in your desires, in your decisions, you will care for the needs of others. But if not, if you are number one in your life and your comfort is the number one priority over God, then you won't care for others. And that is idolatry when God is not number one. So I've been spending the last few weeks still on this topic on idolatry, um, reading in the book of Amos, and it's still messy. Uh, I've also been reading um, some pretty tough Psalms um, that have also been very convicting and challenging to me I use the word convicting, but I mean in a good way. I don't know what other word to use there. For example, um, this verse in Psalm 28, 3. Do not drag me off with the wicked, the workers of evil. And here's how David describes workers of evil. Who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Uh, So then I've been reading verses on that and guys just asking some tough questions. Not posting it on Facebook not getting on Twitter and reading political opinions on this, looking at this bigger picture of why is there a whole book in the Old Testament specifically addressing our hearts around the hurting? Why in the book of Psalms over and over again does God describe wicked men as someone who isn't doing bad things? They speak peace with their neighbor, but they have evil in their hearts they have hate in their hearts um so yeah i just i just want to say that out loud i just want to address that this is going on i want to address that it's hard i want to address that as a white person it is a difficult conversation (laughs) to know how to engage and engage well and i just want to encourage you that if you feel overwhelmed by this if you have felt heavy by it um It kind of is reminding me of pieces of what we saw happen with the Me Too movement. There was something that happened in the news. There was something that happened in the world, which started the conversation around sexual assault and sexual violence. Now, the details of what happened in the news could be debated. You could take sides. You could make it political. But when you take a step back and you listen to the stories of men and women who are sharing their own experiences with sexual abuse, you can learn from them. You can hear the hurt and the struggle in the bigger picture issue, not the specific story. And friends, this is what I've been experiencing the past few weeks. Um, I'm not on the Internet much anymore, so I'm not on social media Um, I got on once during all of this and was literally sick for the next couple hours after reading everything. And, um, I'm not reading the news, but the thing that I'm really trying to do is just like with the Me Too movement, I want to sit down with my black friends, um, with people of color in my life and listen, not form this political opinion, not make it into this like who's right, who's wrong, but but listen. Listen to these stories of men and women experiencing a bias and a hurt because of the color of their skin here in 2020 in Akron, Ohio, you know? I've thought um, many times about that verse in James that tells us to be quick to listen. I'm just going to read this, and I just want you to think about it when it comes to issues on race. Um, James 1, starting in 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Dang, is that a sentence or what? Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness of the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently in his face in the mirror. But then when he walks away, he forget what he looks like. Um. I would just, sweet friends, encourage you that whatever feelings this, these conversations on race and these tough things in our world, um, whatever feeling that's causing in you, <laughs> my friend Leslie said she feels like she's in a college football game stadium and that every person in every seat is screaming their opinion. And I was like, girl, get out of the stadium. <laughs> like... Get off the internet, get off social media, and instead sit down in a coffee shop with one person who loves Jesus and have a conversation with this. Instead, send an email to a black friend and engage with them and learn from them and hear, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, Another practical thing, my friend Christina, who has taught me so much just in issues on race, um... And just the reality of our black friends. Uh, she recommended the book White Awake, uh, which I'm really excited to read. I ordered that. And if you're feeling a similar thing that I am of, man, I don't even know what to do with some of these things. Um, it's a book written by a pastor. And I'm really excited to learn from him um, as he, as a white person, has dove into issues around race. So it's hard, friends. Um But one thing that the more with God that I've learned and experienced is that he's in this too. And this is the coolest thing is like, as I'm feeling um, the pain and the hurt and reading these stories of men and women I love, I can then sit down and weep with God and say, God, show me what you say show me how to engage. And y'all, he took me to the book of Amos. And is that not the coolest thing ever? Like I didn't know Amos was a book of the Bible. (laughs) And he's interactive and he's personal and he walks with us in this. And I think lastly, just um, for my black friends, uh, man, I'm sorry. Just, I, I sit with you in this, I mourn with you in this, and I, I want to learn more from you. Um, I really do. What up, what up? Welcome to the There's More podcast. This is your host, Hannah Nitz, coming on every week to talk more about the more with God. Um, I, for a long time, thought I had all there was. I knew Jesus. I accepted his sweet gift of salvation, of all he did to make my relationship with God right, and then got busy getting to work and serving and loving others without realizing that there was more for me. Not just in the doing and the volunteering and the going to church and the small group, but just between me and God. There's more to experience in your relationship with him. So that's what we talk about each week. And this week is a little word, starts with an S, and rhymes with pluard. It's steward. So, we're going to talk more about this concept and how it hit me uh, in 1 Corinthians 4. So, here we go. Most of these podcast episodes start by me reading something in the Bible and being like, what, what? And then trying to understand what it's saying or process what it means or what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? And then I just proceed to do my Bible bounce, which is essentially like reading every cross reference, trying to figure this out and saying, God, what in the world does this mean? And then boom shakalaka, I get the answer. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not always that straightforward, but God reveals himself and then it turns into a podcast episode. So I have been working my way through First Corinthians and um, this happened. I got to chapter four. And Paul is saying, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, which I was like, yeah, cool. Like, I've heard that before. I understand being a servant of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that, my friends, was my what, what (laughs) moment. I was like, a steward of the mystery of God. If I had to list you know, 50 words or phrases to describe someone who believes in Jesus and who loves God, I would never use the phrase stewards of the mysteries of God. You know how sometimes like when you're reading Instagram bios of people, it'll say things like, you know, servant of Christ or like lover of Jesus or daughter of the king, like phrases that you've heard that you would use to identify who you are and your relationship with God. Uh, stewards of the mysteries of God was just not a phrase <laughs> that I was familiar with. So uh, turns out it's kind of the sweetest concept. And um, by reading more in 1 Corinthians 4, in Luke 12, in Matthew 25, and in 1 Peter 4, and Romans 12, <laughs> my, my Bible bouncing... Um, I'm starting to wrap my mind around it, and it is the coolest thing. You ready? Okay, so if you read through this opening in 1 Corinthians 4, this first verse, and see that Paul says that he is a steward of the mystery of God. When I looked up this word steward, um, I was ready to see uh words about Um, like taking care of someone's money, because I think as a Christian, that is the main way I've heard the word steward, like be a good steward of the things God's entrusted you with. I've heard that so many times. I feel like if you go through any sort of like financial, you know, Christian financial class or just like read a book or a blog on being wise with your money as a believer, I hear the word steward and i think that's the only time i've ever heard that word like if you step outside of the christian world i can't think of a time someone using a word steward i actually remember my husband is in finance and i remember him saying he was in a meeting once and used the word steward when talking about money again that's the context we hear it most often and talked about Being a good steward of what we've been like given and entrusted with. And after the meeting, one of the guys asked Caleb if he was a Christian because that's the only time he had heard the word steward, which is true. Like it's typically how Christians talk about finances. And that is very true. It's a great concept to use when it comes to money. But y'all, that isn't what I found. Okay, so. The New Testament, um, if, you, if you Google verses about being a good steward of money, you will find many a verse that talk about that concept. But when I looked at the actual word for steward, which this is where if I had gone to seminary or something or knew how to say Greek, this would be helpful. The word looks like oinknomus. <laughs> It's like a pig and a hippopotamus combined. My son would love that. An oinkinonimus. oconomus. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, that's the word steward in the Greek, which is what the Bible was written in. Here's the definition. It's a manager of a household or of all household affairs. So this role, the steward, is an actual role. Like think of... Um, nowadays think of like a manager think of like a chief of staff if you are interested in politics or have watched any political show you'll always see the chief of staff which is essentially the right hand of the person in power or the president like they aren't the face but they are overseeing everything okay so the steward in this definition of the greek word it means a manager of a household or all household affairs. They said you could use the words like your steward, a manager, a superintendent, and that the head of house entrusted everything to this person. Management of all affairs, care of how they spent money, how they paid bills, duty of dealing with all the staff of servants and of kids. It also said they could be the manager of a large farm or an estate. Okay, so are you getting this picture? Like a steward, especially in this context of using this word in the Greek language in the New Testament, this is a freaking big deal. This isn't just like, oh, you know, every every person at one point has been a waitress or worked at Subway. Like this is a relatable term. A steward was like a high position of lots of authority and literally in charge of making sure that everything went according to the boss, the manager's wishes, running it all, being the chief of staff over this whole household, this whole estate, this whole farm, this whole political group. Like, it's a big deal. So when Paul says that we are stewards Of the mysteries of God. That's a big deal. The words, this oinkinopos, okinomos, I should really, you know, talk to someone who went to seminary. Whatever that word is, it's used 10 times in the New Testament. And from what I could read, just of those, I went to those 10 verses and read those chapters. There was only twice that it was referred to even in a financial sense. And the rest of them is this this role of being over and in charge of this huge estate and role that technically you do not own, but you are in charge of. Okay, so just think about that. Like Paul is describing himself and therefore inviting us to do the same as a steward of the mysteries of God. If you keep reading in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, it then goes on to say as a steward, essentially what is required of them. And it goes on to say that they must be found trustworthy, that they need to trust God's promises, uh, follow through on the duties that God has asked. Um, And it says that God will disclose the purpose of our hearts and our private motivation And will give whatever praise or discipline is due to that steward. Yikes. Okay, so yeah, verse 5. Again, we're in 1 Corinthians 4. Um, Do not pronounce judgment before the Lord comes. He will bring to light the things hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Each one will receive his uh, commendation from God. Okay, so again. Let's set this up (laughs) like this picture of the the chief of staff, the head manager, like the head person in charge of this huge thing is what God is essentially giving us the opportunity to be a part of that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. God, as the big boss in charge, literally has this estate picture, this estate that can encompass all of who God is, the mysteries of God. And then he is gone, like a like the boss, like the guy who lives, the family who lives at the house is gone, and we're left in charge. We don't own it, but we are in charge. That's crazy. And this thought of... Um, The encouragement in this chapter of being found trustworthy, of trusting God's promises, of following through on our duties. And then God will disclose the purpose of our heart and give the praise that is due for this work that we're doing. Hot dang. That is such a cool picture because I think sometimes when it comes to the church, at least from my experience, the way that I've heard my relationship with God described um, is much more how Paul starts 1 Corinthians 4 of saying we're servants of Christ. Like you kind of picture yourself in this lowly role and there's hundreds of you and you each just show up from your like nine to five shift and you clean your dishes and you put things away and it's like I'm the waitstaff. I am the servant of Christ. And the cool thing about God is is that's true. Like the phrase servant of Christ is there, but just as quickly as he calls himself a servant, he calls himself a steward over all of God's mysteries, which is one person who had this job over an entire household. It's a prestigious role. It's an important role. It's Not that washing the dishes isn't cool, but, like, you're literally in charge of everyone who's washing the dishes and paying the bills and taking care of the children. Like, this is a lot, right? And, like, God invites us to this huge seat as an overseer of all the mysteries of God. Wow. A cross-reference for this verse in 1 Corinthians 4, which if you're new to cross-references, if you go to the bottom of your Bible, most Bibles have um, every verse like listed very, very small on the bottom. And then it will show other verses that teach a similar concept um, all throughout the Bible. It is like the dopest way to study the word because like it is the Bible teaching you about the Bible. Like you could hop, I call it the Bible bounce, all over the whole Bible to learn A concept. And just as a side note. So I'm reading through 1 Corinthians. That's my goal is to get through 1 Corinthians. But the reason it takes me so long is because when God captures my mind and my heart about a word like this or a concept. And I'm like God I want to know you better and I'm going to chase this down. I bounce all over that book. (laughs) So anyway uh, you should do the same. It's really fun. So Luke 12 um, starting in verse 35 he kind of goes further into this concept of being a steward, a manager of the household. Um, In this verse, it's asking who is the faithful and wise manager. Uh, So it says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him once he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come serve them. Okay, just like a hot second pause there. So, man, isn't the Bible freaking cool? So, here, like this is in Luke. So, Jesus is saying, Y'all, get ready. Like, you are a manager of the household, you are a servant. To the king in his kingdom, but be ready for him to come back. And by the way, when the master, when God comes back, when he finds you awake and ready and working and serving, he will then have you recline at the table and he will come serve you. I'm sorry, that's just like (laughs) I'm not even done with that verse. I need to keep reading that one myself. Um, starting back in verse 40 of Luke 12, you must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Good question, Peter. Love it. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household. Sound familiar to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. Oh, my word. The levels that this is, I can't even describe well. Like, it is it is just this beautiful picture of being a steward, being in charge of running the house of God and like being able to be a steward of his mysteries, of the goodness of God to other people. And this whole picture of us being ready for his return, like excitedly running this house, helping people understand the mysteries of God. And it's saying If you are this faithful and wise manager of what God's put you over, he will give you, like truly, he will set him over all his possessions. Like that's a whole nother concept of God saying that he invites us into share in his inheritance. Like literally, like if your parents were to pass away and they were to be very wealthy and they give and they leave their inheritance to their kids – This is the picture that God gives us of the kingdom, both the spiritual goodness and the physical goodness of heaven and his kingdom that we get to inherit. It's like not only are we stewards of the mystery, not only are we like the head manager in charge, but when our boss returns, when he sees, wow, you have been faithful, You have been wise. You have done, as a wise manager said over this, you now essentially are becoming my own family. Like, you are promoted to receive my inheritance and this communion with him. Word to your mother. Okay, this is the point in the episode that I have to, like, take a breath and be like, does this make sense? Oh, uh, word. Maybe the downside of um, just getting out my journal and reading it. I'm like, God, this has rocked my world. Am I communicating this correctly? We'll find out. All right, friends. So 1 Peter 4, um, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, when I first read this verse in context of us being stewards, of us being the chief of staff over the mysteries of God, um, I was a little confused at this use of the word grace because I've always understood grace as like an undeserved favor. Like, this is a character trait of God where He treats me better than I deserve. Like, he does not give me the punishment and discipline I deserve for all the ways that my heart and actions don't love him. Uh, Instead, he loves me to an unending amount. And that's how I've understood grace is this undeserved favor, which if you read that, it does make sense. Like, we've received a gift, use it to serve one another because we are a steward of God's grace like the grace that he gave to us isn't just for us but again if we're the chief of staff over his grace while he's gone it's like all right we need to interact with this and use this well and and get other people to understand and to engage with this grace so when I looked up this word grace Okay, I understand what a steward is. We've been talking about that. If I'm a steward of God's grace, I did find this first definition I'm talking about, this undeserved favor, but it also had a second definition for God's grace. It said it's the power for living, a divine influence in our every day, which, <laughs> my goodness, is this not so cool? 2 Corinthians nine eight. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So when people have used the phrase grace before, when they've been able to do something for someone else or love someone in this crazy way, and they say, man, it is all by God's grace I never understood that. And this is the the second piece of this. Yes, it's an undeserved favor that we receive for God, but grace is also a power for living, a divine influence that allows us to love and serve and do for people around us that we can abound in every good work. And that is God's grace Not just this one-time event and forgiveness on the cross, but literally every day a divine influence for living. Yes and freaking amen. So when this verse in 1 Peter 4 is saying we have received a gift, use it to serve one another as a steward of God's varied grace. The next verse says whoever speaks as one who speaks of God, whoever serves as one serves by the strength God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. Like, it is just mind-blowing to me that it's like God doesn't just give us this amazing gift of salvation and of grace and of love, it doesn't just stop there. As we continue to step into that, we are filled with a divine power for living this withness with God, the more. Like as we experience this sweetness of interaction with Him every day, He then gives us gifts so that we are stewards. We are the head manager. We are the chief of staff over his grace. Man, that's sweet. In Romans 12, it uses a similar phrase as it talks about the gifts we receive. It talks about the gift of teaching, of prophecy, of encouraging, of generosity, of leadership, of showing kindness that as stewards of God's grace as stewards of the mysteries of God we then get to serve one another that's what we get to do not by our power could that be any cooler like i love how it says that in 1st peter 4:11 whoever speaks speaks as one of God whoever serves We serve by the strength God supplies in order that in everything, God can be glorified. Man. This just feels so different after experiencing this more with God. I always started here. I started with the doing. I started with the doing things for God's glory. Um... God's glory is a hard thing to define. I guess internally as I pray about it or process it, I just think showing others God's goodness and faithfulness and qualities and characteristics of God in all things. Like, um, yeah, that's, that's how I would describe it. And I just was so focused on doing things for his glory, doing things for his glory. And I think a lot of... Obviously, the teachings of scripture and things from our churches, it's like, go do things for God. And there's this excitement in that. But I was so focused on that that I didn't know the goodness of God for myself because I was so focused on making sure other people knew it. And this is where, as God stopped me in my tracks and took all of my giving and serving and doing away Because it was like, Hannah, you're doing this in the wrong order. Know me. Me. Like, in getting to know God not out of the doing and serving, but just to know him. Guys, as that's happened in my life the last year and a half, it gets me amped about these verses in a whole new way. Because now that I know God, not just know of him, not just know what my pastor says, what these books say, what others say, but me and him hanging out every day in his word, saying, God, show me more. If there's more to know about you, I want to know it. I want to chase that more than I chase anything else in this entire planet. And as he's revealing more of himself to me, I can't tell you the the feeling that Echoes through my bones and my veins and my soul as I read about being a steward of God's grace. If I read about being a steward of the mysteries of God. And friend, if you don't feel that yet, if you're like, man, I just like this is cool. <laughs> like, I guess it's cool that God invites me into this huge job and this honor and this role of being his right hand of being the person who gets to share the mysteries of God and God's grace with others. Just like this verse says in 1 Peter 4 that we show hospitality to one another without grumbling because we have received a gift and we use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And if that doesn't get you amped yet, that's okay. Because As you start with step one and pursue the knowledge and the knowing of God and building this trust and this relationship with him, as that deepens, my friend, you will get even more amped about this sweetness and this stewardness, is that a word? That he invites us into and shares with us. Friend, you are a steward of God's grace. We use that to serve one another so that God, creator of all things, is glorified through Jesus in the work that we get to do with him. Y'all, that's bomb. Man, the chief of staff. That's a big deal. A big title. Um... It's actually funny because I've used that term before in describing what I do because I'm a stay at home mom. (laughs) But, you know, I don't just take care of my baby, although that is a huge job. But your girl's also paying some bills and planning the meals. And like, I'm a steward of the Knits home. (laughs) But man, how cool to know that God has invited me to be a steward of his mysteries and a steward of his grace and a steward of his home. So friends, as you process this in your own heart and life, I would love to hear more about it. You can head to hannanits.com and click on Say Hello or head over to our Facebook page. I did tell you I'm not really on the internet anymore, but I do hop on every once in a while to post stuff on the There's More podcast. Facebook page. Would love to see you there as well. Uh, Friends, I want you to taste it. I want you to experience it. This beauty in your relationship with God of pushing further in, of getting to know him more. Have you heard the news? There's more.